0: Imagine being present, calm and connected while creating a family environment where everyone can thrive.
1: Welcome to the I am mom parenting podcast, providing inspiration and actionable steps to manifest the meaningful and magical life you desire for you and your family. We are your hosts, Dimple Arora, founder of Mindful Evolution, and Shaitha Patel, founder of Thrive Kids. Thank you for sharing the I Am Mom journey with us. Let's get started.
0: Welcome back, everyone. We are so grateful to have you here with us today. So in our episode today, we're going to take a deep dive into a topic most, if not all of us have experienced before, and this is separation anxiety. We will discuss what separation anxiety is, and it's something that just is not manifested in kids. We are going to talk about how, when separation anxiety gets past a developmental stage, It can be classified as separation anxiety disorder. We'll describe the symptoms, how it manifests, and what you can do to help you and your child now before developing into separation anxiety disorder.
1: This is such a common topic. We often hear parents speaking about separation anxiety at bedtime, separation anxiety when kids are going back to school, and right now we're at a time where our kids and us as adults may be experiencing heightened separation anxiety as we transition back to school and, and we get back into the normal world of working outside the home. And so separation anxiety uh, happens when somebody experiences excessive fear or anxiety concerning separation from those that they're attached to. So it could be a parent, any close blood relative. And I was surprised to learn that it can exist in adults as well. So there are adults who experience separation anxiety from their spouse or intimate partner, or even their roommate. So why is this happening though? It's usually normal for young children to feel upset or worried when they're faced with routine separations from their parents. But with adults, when they are separated, uh, say from a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a spouse that goes away for a period of time on a vacation, a business trip, even to the store, adults can experience this feeling of being worried or upset where it actually impairs their daily life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it really stems
0: from childhood, right? When you are looking at separation um, anxiety disorder in adults. So the first thing, though, to know is that young kids are going to experience separation anxiety. That is normal, right? And just like with other forms of anxiety, it serves as a very useful evolutionary function, right? Because kids will be close to their caregivers. And caregivers are also experiencing anxiety around sending their children to other areas or other people to look after them, because we want to keep them close, right? But if it becomes to a point where it is interrupting daily functions and extending for longer periods of time, or is past a developmental stage, that is when the doctor will diagnose it and will cultivate an appropriate treatment plan. But what are some things that we can look for right now, right, in terms of separation? Anxiety, some common things that we can see in our kids. So, Some of the symptoms to look out for are if your child is terrified to sleep alone, right? So if they're wanting to have someone sleep with them, that could be a sign of separation anxiety. Another sign is if they're worrying about a parent, Uh, the safety of a parent or of a loved one, if they're refusing to go to school or crying each day before school, if they're having nightmares about separation, if they're having physical complaints like muscle pains and stomach aches, not wanting to be alone at all is another symptom of separation anxiety. Also, if they are chronically worried about getting lost and having some unusual safety concerns, that is also a common symptom of uh, chronic separation anxiety, right? And when they're not with their being very, very clingy in a way that's not developmentally appropriate. Like if a 10 year old doesn't want to uh, be with their friends and just wants to be with their parents all the time, that could also be a sign that your child may be dealing with some chronic separation anxiety.
1: And it's a common uh, developmental stage for kids I would say from one years old to six years old to experience some form of separation anxiety. When it gets beyond that, you'll notice it if your child is asking certain questions like what if I get lost or something bad happens to me, or are you sure that you're going to pick me up after school? Um, You know, sometimes they may think something bad is going to happen to you as a parent, right? Are you going to be okay, mama? are you going to be safe? Or what if I get lost? Or what if you get lost, right? So these are some of the questions that they will ask if they are experiencing the separation anxiety. And in adults, they may have thoughts like, what if my boss asks me to stay late? And, or what if my spouse has to go away to that conference? What am I going to do at home alone? And so it manifests in a variety of worrisome thought, right? And these worrisome thoughts can lead to this feeling of helplessness and, and, and sadness and an extreme anxiety over leaving the person that they are, they formed that attachment with. And I also want to mention the physical symptoms that can happen. And they're common for both parents, I mean, adults and children. So the stomach aches, mm-hmm. the the nausea, uh, the racing heart, right, the shortness of breath, the headaches are such a common one. So these are the symptoms show up the same in in adults and in children as well. Yeah. And
0: behaviorally, this impedes daily functioning, right? So for example, again, with that child who doesn't want to be with their friends because they do not want to leave their mom or dad, or in adults, they're not going to attend a function, a social work function, because they don't want to be separated from their um, partner at home. So it shows up in many ways. But there are strategies that you can use as parents right now to work with your child when they are having some common experiences of separation anxiety. And the first thing that you really want to do is to try and have a bit of a ritual for your child. So a lot of the times when you are leaving your child, you want to create some sort of goodbye ritual, right? Whether it is some kids like to have a, a kiss or a handshake or just say goodbye, but building in a ritual is really important now for the younger, younger kids. It might even be like taking a stuffy or taking a blanket, but it has to be something comfortable and short right? So that way your children know that they are going to be yet you are going to be leaving them and that they are going to be okay.
1: Yes, the rituals are are very important. I also want to just before we go into these tips, uh, we have seven tips for you. uh, But I want to also just mention that these adults who have the separation anxiety, they report that they were always slightly anxious when they were a child. So they struggled in childhood as well. And, and while that's normal, what happened to these people is that they were not able to adapt to the separation and the anxiety that they were feeling without being close to their loved ones. So it became more extreme than expected and what happens is when we have, when we're faced with this threat, but then, you know, in small doses, it's fine. It's useful. But as situations unfold and they continue and they repeat, an individual usually adapts to the separation, but for these people, they never really adapted well. And that's why we're giving you these seven tips so that you can prevent this separation anxiety from getting worse. So talking
0: about senses, senses is another way in which we can help our child with separation anxiety, Mm -hmm. right? So looking at your five senses and making sure that um, you have opportunities where your child is able to be mindful about what is
1: going on in their environment. So what we can do is help them to learn how to broaden their senses. So ask them what they're seeing, what they're hearing, get them to smell the roses and blow out the candles. So it helps them to improve their attention in any experience. And it brings them to the present moment. So whatever they're afraid or worried about in the moment, it won't be so activated in their brain if they are in the present moment. Mm -hmm, Exactly.
0: And that's something that we can also practice as well, right? As, as adults and showing that to our kids. Another tip is exposure, right? And in terms of exposure, you can help your child do this in various ways. One way is to help them to see what's going to be happening in the future. So for example, some kids like to, like, like to have a countdown, right? When they have this countdown, they know what to expect. When they know what to expect, they are getting exposed to it, because they are able to know what is going to happen, right? And the way that you do that is by taking them, let's say, for example, it is to a, um, to begin school. So you're taking them to the playground or you're taking them to a building. And when you set up a countdown, they will know that they are going to this building at a particular time or a particular date. So they're having that exposure and as well as having some familiarity around it.
1: Yeah. And what we're doing with building this familiarity is really just building the neural pathways in the brain. So it gives them this, this sense of, uh, they've done this before, and their brain has de- develops that neural pathway so that they can feel uh, out, like within their comfort zone, whenever they start to do that task or go into that experience or, Uh, attend that event, they their brain is already familiar with it. So that is the whole point of giving them the exposure beforehand, so that their brain can be familiar with the experience before it even happens. Sometimes we call this
0: visualizing as well, right? So mm-hmm. that's another really great tip. So visualizing what your first day of school, as an example, will look like, right? What's mm-hmm. going to happen before it happens? And a, a really good um, suggestion to remember is not all kids are going to feel anxious and worried about their First day of school. But if they are, then this is a really good
1: suggestion to use and strategy to use with them. And this is a good strategy to use in life with any experience that we want to be successful at. It's such a common technique used by Olympic athletes and motivational speakers. So visualization is huge and a huge uh, part of manifesting what you want to create in your life and be successful at. So another tip that we have for
0: you is around facing fears. And it's common for us as parents, when we see our children upset to want to go in and save them, right? So we really want to equip our children with the ability to come out of their comfort zone with support and face their fears. So, for example, if you have a child that is starting um, kindergarten, for example, and they are really worried about meeting their teacher. So it's not that you're just going to drop them off and then take off. But what you are going to do is try and, after you have built this exposure is to enable your child and empower your child to go and maybe talk to the teacher while you're a few feet behind. Right. So you're giving the, um, the child the confidence to face their fears with support.
1: Yes. And it's so important to teach children at a young age that, when they avoid doing what they're afraid of, it's only going to provide short-term relief. And that relief never lasts because eventually that child will feel sadness. They'll feel shame for having avoided that experience. And often the exact avoidance strategy that they are using to feel better and prevent that outcome that they're afraid of is actually what's going to create the outcome that they're trying to avoid, which is appearing incompetent and feeling anxious. So that's going to actually make them feel worse. So we want to teach them to face their fears with those small steps and get them out of their comfort zone and build those neural pathways. And that's the only way that they're going to build confidence and mastery and that their anxiety will diminish in the process.
0: And with that being said, it's important for parents to limit the amount of handholding that we give our children, right? Because again, we do not want our children to be upset. We do have this uh, tendency to do More because we don't want our child to experience um, these anxious feelings or sadness or whatnot. So when you are, though, able to not hold their hand all the time and you've pulled back just enough and just in the right places, you're enabling them to feel independent right? They're having these little bursts of independence that will then give them the confidence to
1: extend
0: beyond their comfort zone. Yeah.
1: Because what can happen when you have a child that is highly anxious, it may lead you to being more over-involved in their parenting. And studies show that in relationships, those children are more likely to be with overbearing partners in the future. And that is, that's huge. And it, and everything stems from parenting and from our childhoods, right? So for example, those people who have these parents that are overly involved they will not know how to have that independence. It will just be something so foreign to them and uh, it's not healthy. One uh, behavior that I
0: see quite a bit of, especially when children enter kindergarten is parents staying for a very long time, right. In the classroom. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe, um, well, it's obvious because they don't want their child to be upset, right? And you also want to make sure your child is okay before leaving your precious child with uh, somebody else. But when they know that you are there, they are going to act in a different way, right? When oftentimes what happens is, and I always tell parents this, is when you leave, The child is totally fine. (laughs) Like they will know that um, you are coming back because all of these other suggestions that we have given them, and they will become more independent and resilient, right? And they have an option then, right? They know they can either cling to you and be dependent on you because you are going to stay there, or they have an option to go out on their own because they know that you are going to leave after a certain point and come back. So when they have that option, you are give when you are giving them that option and they're choosing the latter, that is going to build the resilience and independence.
1: And you may even feel uneasy about the separation as a parent, right? But it's important not to project that uneasiness onto your child. So you want to be very warm in your tone again going back to the senses so very warm in the tone of voice that you're using you want to be enthusiastic in the words that you choose for the child so they can hear confident wording right so that you are and then you have to be confident in your actions as well so remain calm speak with love speak with confidence and You had mentioned the uh, period of when the parent is leaving, don't do an overdrawn goodbye, but also it's helpful to arrive early and give your child that warm up period too and to get them familiar with the surroundings so that you're not rushed during the goodbye.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is something that I see a lot of parents doing as well. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing on the flip side, I also sometimes see a lot of parents who will sneak out when the child is looking, right? Because you have this temptation, oh, he's doing really well, he's occupied in this. He's not paying attention to me. I'm just going to sneak out. Mm -hmm. It seems like that would work, right? But we're, and it may work in that short term, but we're trying to build long-term resilience, right? Not just avoidance. So if that happens, if you do sneak out, what happens in the child is that they lose this trust and then the fear and anxiety grows. Right. And that's something that can transfer through as an adult, as you were mentioning earlier.
1: Absolutely. And that is also can transfer into a form of abandonment trauma. And so if I was to work with an adult in who is experiencing separation anxiety disorder, for example, then we would be going back to the childhood of where that person felt that abandonment, right at first. And so, although it seems like an innocent move to sneak out of the room, it could have some detrimental long term effects.
0: Mhm. Yeah, and it's also really important to ensure that your child feels comfortable with their emotions, right? So when they are upset, normalizing that for them, right? That it's normal, it's natural. And then just reassuring them that they will be safe and you will return, but without saying, oh, don't be upset. Or, you know, it's, there's nothing to be scared of because it is normal for them to experience that, that, that short amount of separation anxiety.
1: Yeah. And then, it's also brings us to our next tip, which is our fifth one is to help your child form close attachments with other caregivers as well. Right? So help them to um, have other people in their lives that they can be close to.
0: Exactly. So when you are normalizing these feelings, right, for your child and saying that it is okay that um, you are feeling anxious, when you are providing some sort of um, attachment to another caregiver, then those feelings will subside. And what that means is by what I mean by forming a close attachment is to have a loving, Accessible secondary care provider, because that will help ease separation anxiety, and this is something that's really important for those of you who have really young ones and are sending them off to daycare or um, or having a nanny, some sort of caregiving, um, in their first first time, right? being away from you. So when you are looking for those caregivers, it's really important to find someone who is going to be consistent, right? Not someone who is going through uh, doors all the time or is ever changing and ever shifting. Um, And also someone who is going to provide some sort of attachment to your child, forming a a really strong sense of attachment is going to help with separation anxiety and help with the prevention of separation anxiety disorder in the future.
1: For sure. And, and then it's important then to find someone who aligns with the same values as you as well. So somebody that can provide your child with that caregiving that is aligned with who you are as well and what matters to you so it's it's important to also look at your value system as a parent and what type of values you want to pass on to your child so that they can really focus on who they want to be as a person. And for adults who are experiencing separation anxiety, they can go back to looking at their values as well and deciding who do they want to be, who do they want to stand for. And that helps them to embody the qualities that they want to move forward with. So for example, if success at work is valuable to them, then we need to work with ways to provide that person to make choices that are in, in a in alignment with those values, right? So that they are not avoiding uh, they are not avoiding situations that that impact their anxiety. Yeah, exactly. And that is that is really, really
0: important, right? Having that. And that brings us to our last tip on gratitude.
1: Yeah, it's really important to Have gratitude so that teach your child to have gratitude and to practice having gratitude, so that it broadens their focus, it takes their brain away from the worry, and it trains their brain to look at what they appreciate so that they can actually diminish their worry and anxiety in certain situations. And it gives them a way to be more accepting of what's going on when they're looking for the good in situations. So Gratitude has been shown to increase happiness, improve sleep, uh, to reduce anxiety, it, there's so much science behind the practice of gratitude. So we definitely want to be training their brain to be less anxious by using the concept of gratitude. Mm
0: -hmm. And remember that separation anxiety is a phase, right? Um, In young kids, and it will pass with some of these strategies that we have given you. But if intense separation anxiety lasts beyond these developmental stages, or really interferes with daily activities, it could be a sign of separation anxiety disorder. And when this happens, it's important to talk to your doctor about this. And there's a lot of different modalities that can be used for this, right? So for example, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy can be used with children and adults who are suffering from separation
1: anxiety disorder. Would you believe that separation anxiety disorder in adults was only, uh put into the DSM-5 in 2013, so the Diagnostic uh, Manual of Mental Disorders, it was only included in 2013, and so there were many adults struggling, but it was previously assumed to only affect children and adolescents. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean,
0: we can kind of see the signs of this now, right? Mm -hmm. And when it can develop into that with with adults. And by having some of these really great suggestions and knowing that some amounts of separation anxiety are totally normal Mm -hmm. will give us as parents the confidence to address this before it does become something that needs more
1: clinical attention. Definitely. And there are a variety of treatments available like you mentioned the CBT, there's DBT, there's uh, EFT, there's NLP, right? So there are a variety of techniques that work with the subconscious mind to rewire uh, the brain and and give, more calming strategies to the body so that the brain can uh, process the anxiety in a more effective way. And it's interesting because separation anxiety disorder, it's its often diagnosed in people who already have a generalized anxiety disorder or or post-traumatic stress disorder or a panic disorder. So The point we want to make is this can stem from childhood and we want to take the steps and the measures now if you do see this, these symptoms and these signs in your child, so that you can use these tips to, to be proactive about preventing further separation anxiety issues in in the future.
0: Mm-hmm. And remember that this can affect the entire family, right? Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure that when, if you are getting support for this, that you're able to find someone who can manage the separation anxiety in a way that is going to minimize the trauma
1: and also honor the needs of every family member. And the anxiety plan will look different for every family. These seven suggestions that we provided today's episode in today's episode will be pivotal in helping you to come up with a good strategic plan that will work for you and your child. So just to recap the seven suggestions that we provided today, the first one was to give to to do rituals that your that will help your child to overcome the anxiety. The second one is to engage all of their senses when they are exposed to a new experience. The third one is to give them the exposure to new experiences so they can build those neural pathways and that familiarity of what they're afraid of. The fourth one was to help them face their fears so that they can become independent, but with your support. The fifth one was to help them develop close attachment to other care providers, Finally, making sure that they are in line with the values that you want to pass on to them to help them be the person that they want to be. And lastly, practice gratitude as a family to help engage their brain in a different way and help them to be able to feel more appreciative and taking away the focus from what is threatening to them. So we hope that those seven suggestions will be helpful for you. Thank you so
0: much for joining us today and we will talk to you on our next episode.
1: Thank you for joining us on the I Am Mom parenting journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow us and head on over to iTunes to leave us a review.
0: We invite you to check out the show notes for this episode and click on the link to join our free Facebook community to stay connected and continue the conversation with other like-minded moms.
1: Until next time, stay inspired, take action, and create magic.